Just before uh, I invite my dad up to speak, I've got um, a reading from 2 Kings 4. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of, of olive oil, Elisha, Elisha said. Go round and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and she said, Go. And he said, Sorry, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I'd like to invite my dad to come up. I'll just quickly pray for him. Father God, I just pray that you would anoint my dad's lips so that he could speak your words and let everything that comes out of his mouth be what you want to be said. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Um, we are in a, a series about money and the Bible. And uh, is, the, is the clock going to... Oh, it is. That's super. That's great, that. <clears throat> the Bible has got a lot to say about money. The Old Testament, it speaks about money as the central subject. It speaks about that more than it speaks about anything else. Jesus spoke uh, about money than nearly anything else apart from one thing, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And there are actually 2,350 verses, so I've been a very busy boy counting those all up. Not really. It's got a lot to say about money. To me, money is like fire. I love fire. I remember when Joe was lighting a bonfire in the bottom of our garden and he threw some petrol on it, probably at my advice, and it blew up. Um, <clears throat> and it was quite funny, that was. But fire can, be, <laughs> fire can be incredibly helpful, but also terribly destructive, if we get it wrong. Um, and uh, I've got some quotes about money that hopefully will appear on the screen. And um, <clears throat> this is anonymous. It says the challenge for most people is that their earning capacity does not match their yearning capacity. I like that. I can relate to that. Can you? <laughs> and then an another one. This is by Ogden Nash, a poet. It says, oh, money, money, money. I'm not necessarily, hi, Aoife. I'm not necessarily one of those who thinks thee holy, but I often stop to wonder how thou canst go out so fast when thou comest in so slowly. 
But Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, he said something poignant, and it was this. He says, if a person gets his attitude to money right, it will help straighten out almost every other area of his life. Money is so central. We all want a bit more of it, I suppose. We can't do without it, but we do need to know how to handle it. So we're looking at this series. I'd like to just one other quote, and this is by the Bible teacher Derek Prince, and this um, is, um, contains the kernel of just what I want to share, partly part to share with you this morning, and that is he said, don't chase money, rather let money chase you. And I thought about that, I thought, hang on, is that true? Can that be true? In other words, can I, can you put myself in a position where I make myself prone to being better off financially. And to me, as I look at the Bible and see what it's got to say, one of the clear messages of the Bible is that, yes, you can. Yes, I can. And how does that happen? Very simply, by aligning our lives with what it says. I'm sorry to be so simple and so basic, but that's it. I'm, okay, I'm going off now. No. But I'd like to illustrate this point. Can I, can you put myself in a position where I can actually attract, if you like, being better off financially, or at least having enough and not poor? <laughs> can I do that? Just before I say that, I'd just like to mention about my wonderful wife, because she has an unfortunate gifting. My sister and brother-in-law used to... Uh, live and work in business on the Isle of Skye. And there is one curse to people who live on the Isle of Skye in the spring and in the autumn, well, any time really, apart from the dead of winter. There's these terrible little insects called midges, midges, that come and infest you. Well, my wife Liz has a particular gifting in that area. And they would flock towards her. And I would be free of midges, she would attract them. She has another unfortunate characteristic, which I won't go into, no, it's all right, I am going into it, I'm just joking. Uh, and that is, if there are any cats, cats about, she doesn't like cats, but they find her themselves inevitably on her knee. Well, do we have a similar thing with money? Can we live in such a way that actually being financially okay is something that can chase us? We don't have to chase it. I want to put to you that we can, and I'd like to illustrate it in two ways, but I won't get on to the second way. I'm just going to tell you about the first way. And the first way, I want to look at nations. And um, I don't know if you know this, but do you know that <clears throat> there are only two nations that have been set up in the history of the world that were actually set up from their inception based on biblical principles, based on purely on the Bible? The first is ancient Israel. And the second is the United States of America. You say, hang on, what about Britain? Well, yeah, Britain is, is Christian. And Britain was Christianized from about the 4th century AD. Before then, it was pagan. And monks, merchants, military men, and missionaries evangelized our nation, our islands. And we embraced, took on board the Christian faith to our benefit. But not far from here, down the road in Gainsborough, and then down the road in Boston, 
In the early 1600s, so about 400 years ago, a group of Puritan Christians who were fed up with the religious persecution that was taking place in our country at the time said, you know what, we just want to be free from this. We, we want to set up somewhere where we can just live and practice our uh, Christianity without fear of persecution. And so uh, on ships like the Mayflower, the founding fathers of America, Puritans, set off from our shores on the eastern coast, just not far from here, and uh, just carrying Bibles in hand, crossed the Atlantic and found the, new, and the Newfoundland, the eastern seaboard, which is now the United States. And instead of Boston, Lincolnshire, they set up Boston, Massachusetts to operate out of there. And so began this community of people based purely on the Bible. And uh, they saw themselves as uh, modern-day Israelites. You know, uh, Moses, under God, had led the Israelites out of captivity of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea with just Bibles in hand, and entered the land of Canaan, the Promised Land. And they saw themselves like that. Now, the American uh, emblem is an interesting thing. Oh, there it is. If you can keep it on that. Um, because three men... Wind the clock forward 150 years to 1776. What happened in 1776? Anybody know? The War of Independence and 4th of July, Independence Day. Great movie, love it. But anyway, the real Independence Day in 1776 was when the United States declared independence from Britain. And uh, three men were tasked with the job of designing a seal, an emblem, a badge for the United States. We're all familiar with that because that's the one they chose. But there was another one that they was a very close rival to this, which is on the next uh, screen. And uh, it's this one. And there you've got Moses leading the Israelites out of captivity with a pillar of fire, crossing the Red Sea, Bibles only in hand to the Promised Land. And that's what America originally was founded on. And of course, we all will be aware of the phenomenal growth and blessing that United, the United States has enjoyed. Whatever you think about it, it's happened. But do you know what? Things started to change in circles of power in government around about the 1950s, 60s, when the government started to move from being Bible-centered to, to being thinking more, well, look, we're great, we can do this ourselves. It turned to humanism and atheism and sort of moved away from being based centrally on the Bible. Not the people, but subtle change in government. A similar thing happened in our own country. And in 1967, of course, it was the year that the law was passed uh, allowing almost abortion whenever you wanted it, and we started to slay the innocents. I go around to schools these days, and one of the things I find if I'm teaching or trying to teach RE is that it's not only the children that don't understand basic biblical principles, 
I have to say, don't tell anybody this, but I have to say a lot of the teachers haven't got a clue either. And I find there's never been a time where educated folk are ignorant about the book that changed for good and for the better our civilization. And uh, about that time, the 1960s, 60s, a similar trend was taking place in the media and entertainment. I don't know, have you ever, have you, ever you know, uh, gone on is it Netflix or something like that and found an old film or movie like with Bing Crosby in it or something like that? You know, before the 1960s, you would look uh, at a film and if there's anything to do with uh, a Christian or a vicar or anything like that, do you know they were held in quite high esteem? Uh, that's all changed. The media has taken an atheistic, humanist view and what happens now is that Christians are seen as, on TV anyway, what I do, I sit down with Liz, I like the documentaries and the, and the news and stuff, and Liz likes these, these productions. Um, and every time, have you noticed this? Every time there's something on the telly, there's often a vicar who's in some way morally compromised, uh, or, you know, uh, and, or a criminal, or at best, slightly off-center. And this is, this is the situation. So there's been a, a shift away from having the Bible at the center of things and Christian values, both in the media and in the corridors of power in the West. Well, what's, what's changed on the financial front? Because we are taught, you're getting a bit of a history lesson this morning, but look, it is interesting and we will get to the point. Um, What's changed on the financial front? Well, do you know, in, in America, after World War II, the, the United States came out of the war better off than when they went in. They were selling everybody all their armory, and they came out quite rich. And for the average bloke in a, reason, in a decent job, he was in the envi and his family in the, in the enviable position of being able to support his whole family with their own house, probably a couple of cars, eat out regularly, go into the drive throughs and so on. They were really well off in the, about the 50s and the, the 1960s. <clears throat> now, if you uh, look at the same place, the same areas uh, in, in America, it takes a man and a woman slogging the guts out to try and achieve a similar thing. Did you know that from, on the 31st of December... Last year, so just a few weeks ago, the American national debt stood at 20.97, not million, not billion, but 20.97 trillion dollars. And so there's kind of a connection, or is there, putting this to you, between the honoring of the Bible and principles of the Bible and the financial condition of a nation. <clears throat> and the Bible says, in Proverbs, it says, righteousness exalts a nation. There is a bright area, isn't there, in the world? There is somewhere booming economically. Where's that? Well, one or two, China. It's not the only thing that's booming the economy in China. Do you know what else is booming? Yes, the 
the Christian population. In fact, you know, there are more active, vibrant Christians in China than, than certainly in all of America, and I think in all of America and Britain put together. And um, the Wall Street Journal in 2005, there was an article in there, and they were interviewing a Chinese official. And this Chinese official said this, because the Chinese Christians experienced great persecution. Kelly was talking about that a bit. Great persecution. And, uh, but this Chinese official was quoted as saying, look, we're easing up on Christianity because it's the only way we can rebuild our economy. Let's just track back to Britain, our own country. So good old Puritans abandoned ship and went off to form their own Christian organization in, in America. Back here, things weren't going that way. We were under threat of invasion and a lot of social and economic problems. But then, in the 18th century, came a few individuals like George Whitfield, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards. And what they did, they went up and down the country preaching the gospel, telling people, a bit like Steve was saying, get out there, tell people, preaching the gospel. And uh, these miners with sooted face would come out and they would hear John Wesley and George Whitfield tell them that God loved them, that he died for them, he's got a plan for their life, that he wants to give them a new life, an eternal life. And uh, as the preachers were looking out, there were these little streaks of white coming down the cheeks of these miners as they embraced the love of God and accepted Jesus into their hearts. And thousands, thousands became Christian in our nation, up and down our nation. I love steels. Uh, do you like going to steels for uh, fish and chips? And just opposite, there's a plaque saying, John Wesley in 17-whatever preached the gospel from that point, up and down our country. And hundreds of churches were formed, Methodist churches, and others were formed. Guess what happened? Just turn the page a bit, go into the, go into the 19th century, and Britain was the leader of not a spiritual revolution, but an economic revolution. The Industrial Revolution kicked off in our own back garden and led the world. And Britain became extremely prosperous and was the envy of the world. It was said of Britain and her empires that the sun never sets. That's what happened. And so what I'm just suggesting to us this morning is that when we align ourselves with the principles of the Bible, this is on a national level, when we align ourselves with those principles, we make ourselves um, attractive <laughs> to the, the, the hand of God, to the blessing of God on our lives. And we prosper. And the word prosper doesn't just mean finance. It means, it, the root meaning means the uh, wellness in all areas of our being, not just in finance. And uh, so I, I asked Joe to read out uh, that passage from Two Kings. And um, the passage there was about this uh, widow who had lost her husband and she was in financial straits. Um, her two sons were about to be sold, uh, taken into captivity, and she was destitute. 
Um, and, you know, when we think of our nation at this time that has declined somewhat, hasn't it? I mean, we've had the financial crash uh, of 2008 and we're where we are at the moment. And I suppose nobody quite knows where, where we're going from here. But the thing is, if we are like that, and if you yourself are in a position where you're wondering, I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of myself here. I've, I don't have anything to fall back on, and I wonder what the future holds. Then this story can be of relevance for you today and relevance for our country. And, and what Elisha told this lady to do was to get lots of pots. All I've got left is a jar with olive oil in it. That's all, that's all I've got. And he said, right, well, go out and get as many pots as you can and just use the pot with the oil in and pour it in and pour it in and pour it in. And it occurred to me, you know, that uh, when I was just looking at this, that all over our country now, the churches that were formed because of the pre previous revivals and moves of God, uh, many of them lay vacant, don't they? I've got one in my village, uh, the Methodist church in Lacey, which had been bought to do up as a house. And uh, lots of empty containers. And guess what? We're, we're kind of in one, aren't we? There's not, the po there's not been the population to, uh, to use it. So we've been able to come in and buy it. And what are we saying doing that? We're making a prophetic statement. God has led us into a prophetic point in time where we're saying, like Kelly said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. We are not people destined to go down the tube. You're not a person destined to be in want and famine and poverty. You're a person who can contain the life of the Spirit of Almighty creating God to bring and to fill up your emptiness and the things that you lack in your life, in whatever area that is. And we're saying by being here, Lord, we believe in you. You're coming again. Lord, do it again, what you did in the past. And uh, so I don't know if this morning you're feeling alone, if you're in debt, if your children, you fear for your children, their lives, you're under threat. You're fearful and insecure. All those things this lady felt. I think many people fear that about our nation as well. But you know, do you know what? There's hope in God. There is a better day coming. And as David mentioned the other week, there are loads of prayer gatherings starting where people are beginning to call on God and say, God, enough is enough. We want to change. We want to move. We want the oil of the Spirit of God to be poured out in our lives, in our area, and in our nation. So I wonder if the music team, could, the worship team, could just come back and we'll sing a song to close. But what I just want to do is, I just want to pray for you. If you, if you say, well, yeah, I... I I, could, I feel I could do... Well, I want to align myself with the principles of the Bible. And if anything, I want to attract myself the blessing of God. 
not midges, not cats that I don't want. But I, I want to know your prosperity in my life, Lord. Good things. The pot may be empty. You may be in debt. You may be fearful. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's just to say, what you need is the prophetic word, and I'm just bringing it to you. That God wants to fill the emptiness. He wants to fill the jars with new oil. And you know what? With God, there's an endless supply. There's no shortage with God. He creates. There are some people here who need jobs. And I am rooting for you. God, the creator, can bring into being a job for you. Whatever your need, prosperity comes when we align ourselves with our loving God and his purposes in our lives. And whatever your situation is, there is no shortage of supply with our great God and almighty God. So I wonder if you'd like to stand. And I'd love just to close and pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I just do want to thank you that, Lord, when we align ourselves with your word and with your precepts, surely, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. You may be fearful here today. I just want to encourage you. You don't need to be fearful. You may feel like you're an empty can. It's all gone. God can fill you up where you are and give you new hope, new optimism, new expectation. Forget what's happening in the economy. Forget how things have shifted. We're here as a statement Like Kelly said, this is where I stand. Like Martin Luther said, this is where I stand. I can do no other. And we're here to fill empty cans and see the glory of God come. So Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters, whatever their situation, whatever their need, Lord, fill up the areas of need in them. And Lord, help us. Help us, God, as we look at this subject of money to understand your ways and to be in line with your purposes for us, that your hand of blessing may be upon us, upon our town and area and upon our nation. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen.